Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. We have the amazing band, hard rock band, out of the Midwest named Shaman's Harvest coming on tonight to join us, and we're going to have a great interview with these guys. Nathan Hunt, the lead vocalist, is going to be joining us, and before I bring him on, I will do a nice introduction for the band, and I also want to just do a brief introduction about my show. I apologize if my voice is a little off tonight. I've been under the weather, but the show must go on, so here we are tonight. Shaman's Harvest is one of the many bands that I've had the that I will have the pleasure and honor of interviewing. In addition, I've had bands on my show such as Gemini Syndrome, Soil, I Empire, Otherwise, Eve to Adam, Black Light District, Raw, Art of Dying, Royal Bliss, and the list goes on. So please support all these bands and artists. That is primarily why I started my show. I really wanted to create a forum where I could bring people on in the entertainment industry and help support them and spread the word about them. A little bit about my background, I have my doctorate degree in clinical psychology, so one of the things I really enjoy doing in my profession is interviewing people. And the other passion I have is with the entertainment industry. Um, I have a music background myself with an album out as a solo artist. I've done some writing for some magazines, and also I do the show now. So I really wanted to combine my passions and create this show. So on my show, you're going to get a really good taste of what these people's lives are like and what it's like to be in their profession. And a couple of things I do put out there just so that people keep in mind. Um, We sometimes talk about uh, psychology stuff in an educational forum, but my show is really meant for entertainment purposes. So we're not doing any type of uh, formal therapy or anything like that on the air. And also I want my guests to really feel down to earth and be able to talk about whatever they'd like but just to keep any, you know, uh, information anonymous, such as people's names and things like that, if you want to share some embarrassing stories or something that might be entertaining but someone else might not uh, think the same way about. So feel open to discuss whatever you'd like. Just keep things um, anonymous and confidential. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. And I have a chat room open, but because I am a one-person show, I'm going to be primarily focused on the interview. If you want to call in tonight, the number is 805-243-1320. So let me introduce Shaman's Harvest, and then we will bring Nathan on the air. So Shaman's Harvest is one of the most amazing bands to emerge from the Midwest. These guys have been around for 15 years. I've done a lot of research on them, and really an interesting journey and story that these guys have to tell. Uh, Their sound is definitely unique and original. They're combining modern and classic rock with textures and mixtures of a southern twist and blues in there. So they really are not a cookie-cutter band. These guys have a sound that is true to themselves. They've released five studio albums, and we're going to talk about the one that they have out that they just released in September tonight, which is Smokin' Hearts and Broken Guns. But these guys really got their initial start when they uh, released their fourth album, Shine, Dragonfly, on it, and that just really brought them to another level, hitting... um, Active Rock Charts on the Billboard Charts at number 13, and Heritage Rock at number 9, and the list goes on. I don't want to bore people with the details, but I'm sure Nathan can talk about them tonight. These guys have toured with uh, national acts such as Adelita's Way, Puddle of Mud, Blackstone Cherry, and ACDC, to name a few, 
and their music has also been uh, featured with professional sports teams, the WWE, and additionally in some movie soundtracks. So as I said, we're really going to take you on a cool journey tonight. You're going to learn about not just who these guys are as musicians, but just about who they are as people. I really want to bring a different aspect to my interview um, from a lot of other interviews out there. It definitely had some challenges and hardships along the way, which we will also discuss, and we will play some music off of their new album. So pick up their album and visit them at shamansharvest.com for upcoming shows, uh, tours, and more. Hey, Nathan, how are you? Hey, Carrie, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? That was, uh, that was an awesome um, beginning to this interview. I feel exhausted. Just listening to <laughs> listening to all that. Well, I, as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a psychologist by trade. That's what I do. Uh, that's my doctorate is in clinical psychology, and I really take that uh, to heart and value. When I do interviews, I mean, I really go all out and spend a lot of time researching you guys, and I really want to bring the best out in you. So I appreciate the compliment. Um, I took a lot of time yesterday to do my homework about you guys. <laughs> that's that's refreshing. So, Sorry to make you exhausted, but um, hopefully it'll be a really cool interview. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll power through it. <laughs> cool. I was so, as you can imagine, eight hours of of dealing with uh, that type of a population can, in some ways, be exhausting too. Holy cow! You work in corrections. <laughs> yeah, Good we could talk girl. off the air. Yeah, prison. <laughs> <laughs> We'll yeah. talk off the air, but uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I love what I do. It, it's fascinating and just always learning new things about people. And I just, yeah, I love analyzing and evaluating people. It's it's my thing. <laughs> okay. So, well, but let's talk about you guys. What's that? Okay. okay. I said, well, this is frightening. Right. No, it's not frightening. You will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So tell me a little bit about Nathan. Just where you grew up. Were you born in St. Louis, Missouri? Yeah, I was born in uh, yeah. born in the Lou. Um, I lived there for a few years. I lived out in West Virginia. Uh, I lived up in Massachusetts, which it sounds like y'all are sounds like just from your accent, you're from uh, up around there a little bit. I'm gonna guess. Um, I'm from New Jersey. Okay. Well, I was okay, in the yeah. I was in the I was in the vicinity. Okay, there you um, go. And then, and then uh, yeah, I've lived a little bit everywhere. I've lived did a spell in Colorado, and and now we live on tour. Wow. Well, let's let's go back to the beginning, because I want to hear a little bit about just, you know, you as a kid growing up, and what was it like in St. Louis, Missouri, and what were some of the things that you were interested in? You know, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we're, we're going to start to kind of do a timeline and, and, of course, get to where you guys are today. <clears throat> sure. It was great. Um, you know, there's a lot of culture in St. Louis. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I went to a school that was uh, from preschool to uh, 12th grade, so it was a huge school. Um, but it was still in, um, you know, it was in the inner city of St. Louis, so it was, you know, there's lots of kids who went there, and it was a good environment <clears throat> um, to pick up on lots of cultures. And, uh, you know, uh, it was the 80s, so I think that was around the time when I discovered uh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> he changed nice. my life as a, as a kid in the 80s. And then, um, yeah, then uh, I moved up to uh, up to Mass and uh, cool. lived there for about a year and, and a half. Inter- 
not to interrupt you, but as we're talking, you know, what, what types of things did you do as a kid? You know, and we'll talk a little bit about how did you get interested in music. So, you know, were you a kid that liked to play sports? Um, you know, what types of things did you like to do? What, in the Midwest, what was something popular that you guys um, did? Growing up, man, I was I was kind of kind of one of the outsiders as a kid, so I didn't really, you know, I didn't play a lot of <clears throat> a lot of sports as a young kid. Um, not until okay. I got into high school. Um, but I, uh, you know, I like to sit around the schoolyard. We'd, we'd be boxed. Well, I tried to be boxed. And everybody else did a lot better than me. Uh, okay. You know, um, my, uh, my big passion as a kid, man, was to sit in the living room and pouring through vinyls, my parents' vinyls, and uh, throwing them around, throwing them on. And, like, my first, first uh, memory of music, really, I was probably about three or four. And uh, it was Fleetwood Mac, and we'd dance around the around the living room to Tusk, and uh, nice. you know, and just uh, my mom turning 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 us kids on to uh, to the stuff that she dug, you know. Cool. And were what did your parents do for work? I mean, what what was their backgrounds like? Were any of them in the music industry or musicians? No, no. My dad, he was a janitor. Um, okay. He worked. He worked in a a couple of high rises downtown as a janitor and uh <clears throat> my mother she was a, a bartender uh they both worked a couple jobs a piece uh growing up so it was uh you know we got to <laughs> it was a lot of sesame street babysitting and uh uh trying to figure out right. how to cook at a young age <laughs> that kind of stuff okay and and did and you I have a, how many siblings do you have brothers and sisters yeah I, I have uh, two bro- two little brothers and a younger sister, so uh, okay. that's, I learned uh, learned a passion for cooking at a young age, uh, feeding right. them rugrats. We uh, had ghetto spaghetti, is what we call it. Ghetto spaghetti is, used to be when you're on welfare, you only got like a certain amount of items, at least in okay. the neighborhood we were at. Uh, <clears throat> neighborhood was called Dogtown. The reason why I called it that because it was a Vietnamese neighborhood, and you could smell the dogs cooking when you got into town. It was not a very oh, pleasant wow. smell, but but um, so there was only one store that was that sold in walking distance from our apartment that sold uh, you know American food, um, but it was usually you got spam, you got ramen noodles, and you can get like ketchup and stuff like that. So ghetto spaghetti was ketchup, spam, and ramen noodles. It was absolutely terrible, but. It was about the only thing I could make when I was six years old. <laughs> oh, wow. So it definitely sounds like you, you know what a good work ethic is. And, I mean, you guys absolutely display that, you know, in the band and your musicianship. So it sounds like from an early age, you know, your parents really showed you guys, too, even though it sounds challenging at times with you being home and, you know, overseeing your younger appreciate what your parents were doing. Oh, we never, yeah, we never wanted for anything. They worked, I mean, you know, we, 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 we didn't really, if we did, we didn't realize it, you know, cause they, they, uh, they worked hard and, uh, yeah, right. I mean, that's kind of stuff rubs off. I don't know You're if you can there. hear me. I can hear you. Anything? Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, great. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure oh. what happened. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry You're I saying, out in the middle you know, of talking about your parents. Problem. No, 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 yeah. that's okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, you you just put your nose down and you and you work hard. That's the that's the mm-hmm. point, and that's a, that's how you find um, anything. Nothing, nobody's going to hand you anything in life. 
That's right. You just have to do it. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're working hard. You're taking care of, you know, helping out with your siblings and stuff. So when do you start to get interested in music in terms of actually, you know, trying to do it and, you know. Yeah. Uh, We we have a really close-knit family, you know, extended family. And and all my uncles, like my uh, uncle Greg, he gave me my first guitar. I was five. And, uh, you know, we just, I'd watch them sitting around, you know, picking and grinning and, and singing songs at the top of their lungs. And I, I just wanted to be a part of that, really, is how it started. I just wanted to be in this, the inner circle, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. I I just decided I wanted to determine to, to learn a couple chords, and I was hooked, really. Um, I think, uh, you know, I... I I pretty much quickly realized I wasn't going to be any kind of virtuoso guitar player, but I can I can hammer my way through some chords and and that's when I realized well right. if I really want to do do anything then I probably ought to write songs. So um, you know, and then also you know as I got older it was it was you know the '90s and the grunge and everybody's in touch with their feelings and right. all that stuff. So uh, yeah, you know definitely. it was a great outlet for me to 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 put what I was feeling out on a into a into song. Cool. So, when do you first like when do you write your first song? When do you realize that you know? I'm sure as everyone starts out, you know, there's some struggles and some difficulties uh, just teaching yourself that type of a skill set. But when do you put it? When do you realize you know? Hey, I do have a knack for this, and this is something I really want to pursue. Um, I was probably 12, um, and I was really really into Zeppelin at the time, and I. uh I just decided, I mean, I, I realized, you know, instantly I wanted to write about some, you know, mythical things because it was easier for me to write about something fictional or fantasy even than it was to, you know, take it directly from my life. So um, that, that was something I had to learn later. Um, but, uh, you know, I was 12 and I wrote my first song. I still know how to play it and uh, it, uh, it wasn't very good, <laughs> but uh, it was mine. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and it just, it, it, I was hooked and I just, I just, uh, I liked how it felt, you know, to, to create new, new melodies. I think that's what I fell in love with first was, was trying to, you know, just that the fact that there's just these raw thoughts and they can come out and then it becomes a tangible thing. I, I really thought, I, I felt like that was, um, <clears throat> really, it's magical. Definitely, that's really cool. So you're 12 years old. You're, you know, hammering away, like you said, putting out your first song and and really into it. So when do you say to your parents, or when do you decide, you know, I'm going to try to pursue a career in music? And tell us a little bit about too. You know, did you go to college at all? Did you go to any trade school, or was it just, you know, you went through high school and then you decided that music was what you were going to try to do no matter what? I was in high school. Um, Shaman's Harvest actually formed in my senior year of high school. Um, and, uh, my parents, you know, I was working, you know, I started working when I was about 13, um, worked as a bus boy and, um, really up until, really up until I was 30 until I was, until the music was paying the bills, you know, for a minute. Um, you know, so, so I was, I I never really made a decision. I never went to college or anything like that. And I never, the decision wasn't ever like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to pursue. It was just, it was kind of like, it seemed like it was embedded in my DNA. It was just something I did along Mm -hmm. with living life, you know, 
And then right. I had babies. Or I was 18 years old and started having babies and, and um, you know, just uh, wow. just just part of living. So, I mean, then, you know, when you're, we got a family to support, you got to, you got to take work a right. little more seriously, you know. So I went to went into uh, I was an executive chef. I wound up being an executive chef until I was uh, oh probably twenty five, and then uh, then I fell in love with construction. I didn't really fall in love with construction, but I fell in love with the paychecks. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Right. So I got into the union and it paid the bills and and kept the family fed and. Uh, and it wasn't, and uh, but the whole time we, you know, we were still playing music, and I tried to quit several times, but it's just, it's just, if if it was something I could quit, I probably, I think we all would have done it a long time ago. Right, right. So, I mean, it sounds like again you were just like you said, working really hard, taking care of the people that you know love, and tell us a little bit about. You said that you guys formed in your senior year, so and I was I, I was reading about how. You know, you and bassist Matt Fisher and guitarist John uh, Josh Hamler have been kind of the core from the beginning. So, were you guys going to high school together? Yeah, yeah, we we're going to high school. None yeah. of us liked okay. each other in high school. It was pretty. Really? It was pretty. Why is yeah, that? it was an odd dynamic, really. Oh, we just, you know, none of us were in uh in the same uh, clique or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right. everybody's got right. their their little gangs. None of us were. Yep. None of us were in that, you know. It was like a freaking West Side Story only. Uh, there was no love involved. Uh, then, okay. You know, after after school, we uh, we just clicked. You know what I mean? It was just, it was we were. Uh, it was just it was it was a really primal feeling, you know. The the three of us so, hammering it out these right, songs, so who you know. And, who who added the three? You guys um, did someone approach the I other and say, "Hey, let's a, jam." No, I had a party at my house, and okay. I don't remember who it was. We had some old boy buy us some liquor and everything. You know, I was, I don't know, what, I was 16 or 17. And, uh, you know, we were getting snockered, as teenagers do. They can't handle the liquor. And probably on some schnapps or something silly like that. And uh, right. I didn't discover bourbon until I was much older. But, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I was I, I was sitting down in my room. And uh, Matt, our bass player, he come in, and uh, and he uh, just picked up my brother's bass, and uh, this other fella, that was his his buddy, he picked started beating on a bucket uh, for for percussion, and we just started playing a song that I had written, and uh, you know we're it was a pretty small town in Missouri, so it's it's uh, you know you don't run across people that are in at least back then that were interested in you know playing music that often so when you find it you got to stick with it right no matter right. what and then josh came along he um we were looking for another guitar player and um he actually used to pick on matt at the bus stop when they were growing up they lived <laughs> down the street from each other so fisher he uh he's i guess i don't know if he was trying to get him to quit picking on him or what but he said hey try out for my band and next thing you know, Josh showed up, and he's been with us ever since. Nice. Very cool. So you guys, I mean, you guys have been around for, you know, I didn't think it was that long. I mean, but funny, and I, I've said this before. I've said this with a lot of the, you know, fortunate, I'm fortunate to interview a lot of huge bands like you and I Empire and Need to Add them. And it seems like about 
10 to 12 years is what most of the people say on average before, you know, you really sometimes, you know, hit it and kind of make your mark in the, in the world with music. It's just an interesting pattern I've seen with the people I've interviewed. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird because it's, it's, you know, rock and roll, especially more so than anything, it seems like is it's reciprocal, you know, it just keeps on right turning circles and it comes, you know, every eight, nine years, it comes back around as a popular thing for, for kids to discover. And, and um, usually it takes about 12 years to hone whatever it is that's your sound that you're not, you know, you're not trying to imitate anybody. This is, this is, right. this is what you're creating. It's it's a new thing. And, um, you know, it, it takes, in my opinion, it takes that long just to, just to evolve into yourself as an artist. Sure. Sure, definitely. I mean, and you guys have definitely proven yourselves with the, you know, with the five albums you have out. And um, I definitely want to talk about, you know, some of the initial albums in here, a little bit about the progression as you're talking about, you know, coming into your own as Shaman Tarvis and the sound that you guys create. But let's do this because I definitely want to get a couple of songs in tonight. Tell us a little bit about uh, Dangerous, which, you know, I hear on Octane all the time. And that's how I initially was even introduced to you guys when you had Dragonfly out, which was a great track. So tell us about that song, and uh, then we'll check out that song and come back for the interview. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dangerous is just a, I mean, it's just a basic rock and roll song. I mean, it's four on the floor, straight ahead, um, and it's a, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of a a testament. It's more of just a just a way to get psyched up for something that you feel like you gotta you gotta beat. Cool. Very cool. And did that song have any placements anywhere? I know that, you know, some of this stuff off of Shine was, and we'll talk about that when we come back with WWE, and that was some interesting stuff I read about. Has Dangerous kind of hit anything yet in terms of people getting some interest to put it into oh, some stuff? Yeah, we, we're, we're, we're talking to people. Uh, um, I think it'd make a great wrestling song, and, um, you know, the, yeah. the MMA world is, is, is interested in the song. It just kind of fits, I think, cool. with... Uh, what they do and uh, yeah i mean uh it's just, it's it'd be a great sports song i tell you definitely yeah i mean any type of sports football like you said mma wwe so absolutely yeah. all right so let's do this i'm going to put you on hold and then we'll come back and we'll talk more about uh the previous album the current album and a bunch of other stuff with you guys all right sounds good okay hold on all right, everyone, you are listening to the vocalist Nathan Hunt from Shaman's Harvest, and we're going to check out the hit single Dangerous right now, which is off of their new album, Titles. And I always, for some reason, I have to ask when we come back about the uh, the title because it's very interesting. Smoking Hearts and Broken Guns. So check it out. Here is Dangerous, and be sure to pick up a copy of their album, which is out right now.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, <clears throat> Shaman's Harvest, hit single Dangerous, off of their new album that is out now titled Smoking Hearts and Broken Guns. So be sure to check them out and go to shamansharvest.com for the album. I'm sure it's on iTunes. You can download it on all the digital sites and check out them on upcoming tours, their shows, and much more by going to their website. All right, let's bring Nathan back on. All right, Nathan, awesome song. Great stuff you guys have there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank really you very much. Good. Really cool stuff. Yeah, the album itself is just really solid. And, you know, even though some of the songs are sometimes a little slower and lighter, I mean, everything just fits so well together. Um, so we'll definitely play another track later in the show. Right on. Yeah, uh, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> What's that? You're breaking up a little bit. No. Are you there? Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, okay. I'm in the middle of the woods, so that's okay. <laughs> I stand by don't this worry about particular it. Tree. <laughs> no, don't. I forget who it was. I don't want to misquote the band, but there was another band I had recently that was from like the Midwest, and the poor guy, his phone kept cutting out, but he was such a great sport. He would call back in, and it, it was still a great show. But you know, I understand the connection is not the greatest, so don't worry about that. Ah, technology. All right. So, um. <clears throat> So tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the, the earlier albums that you guys had out called Last Call for Goose, Goose Creek, Synergy, March of the Bastards. You know, just, just give us a little bit of information on those albums. I'm assuming they were self-released by yourself at the time in terms of the band oh, yeah. putting them out independently. Yeah, they were they were all, everything we've ever done until this record's been self-released. Um, Last Call for Goose Creek, oh, wow. I mean, okay. we were just kids. We were, uh, we were okay. 16 and 15 years old. Wow. Uh, we went off went off to Nashville to become real big rock stars. <laughs> and uh and it's really it's a terrible album. <laughs> I hope that Aww. nobody listening has heard it. No, it absolutely is. But I mean, you know, it was a, it was something it was the best thing that came out of it is we learned how to record a record a record, you know. Um, right. how to how to do it right. And back then we were doing it uh, you know, the tape. So, it was um you know wow. that's an experience I haven't had since. Um, and, right, and, uh, right. I think I think it's coming back around. There's a war- there's a warmth in that sound that people just people miss. I think they don't realize they miss it, but they do. And then uh, the, the second record, Synergy. Um, you know that was kind of the first record that we were that I could really consider some of these songs like real whole whole pieces. Okay. Um, Still not the greatest record. Um, it definitely is a testament to the time. I don't know when it came out, probably 2000 or something like that. 2002. Yeah, I have the date right here, okay. 2002. Yep. 2002, yeah. Um, you know, and it definitely um, reflects the time that we were in. Um, but it was, you know, each record that we make is, um, you know, it's an evolution. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's um, it's learning, and it's, it's learning how to how to hone the craft, you know. Um, so and then that, and that's why it's 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 the best experience. It's my favorite ex- part of this being in a uh, a band is is making records, you know, and uh, just seeing what comes out of it and where you were at from the last record. And then the next record, uh, March of the Bastards, it's, it's a little heavier. It's quite a bit heavier, really. Um, okay. We kind of we gave up the classic rock sound to more of a heavier sound. Um. And um, yeah, I think you can still find that record. It's few and far between, but I think it's still out there. 
and okay. um you know a lot a lot of guitar harmonies um kind of you know throw back to some of that iron maiden kind of feel and nice. after that we did the shine record and uh we all kind of thought that was going to be our last hurrah so um and i think that's really when we kind of started it, it felt uh, making that record they just the songs felt more more real you know we weren't trying to emulate anybody uh, we were really just kind of developing who we were you know right on that record and let's definitely let's spend a little bit you know just a little bit of time on shine because again that was kind of like i said that's where i really learned about you guys by hearing you on satellite radio and you know all that stuff and you know talk about some of the accomplishments you had on that where you know it hit billboard charts and it was like you said wwe you were in some films um and then also just share a little bit why you thought that one was going to be the album because that was you know just doing so well for you guys. Well, I mean, until until Dragonfly started tracking, you know, showing some traction. I mean, we were just worn out. I mean, we had all been right. through at that point. We'd all been through a divorce. Uh, well, almost oh, all of us had been through a divorce at that point. And, I mean, it just it wore heavy. You know, it wore heavy on on so our just lives. More it's, it's, your own life, you know, in a, terms of just the yeah, impact yeah, of that. more of a on a absolutely on a personal level it was just it was just it was too hard to um get it out there and then out of nowhere dragonfly just seemed to start picking up traction and that was a that the best thing that can be said about that was i mean we had no industry level whatsoever i mean we were all you know none of us were we were seeing the end of our 20s you know at the the Mm -hmm. youngest of us you know and uh hell i was 30 years old so you know Ninth and the most prettiest son of a bitch ever, but uh, we, uh, oh, you know, so stop. we weren't getting the, uh, we weren't, we had no industry love, and even the the PDs at the radio stations, you know, they weren't really into it. it it's not really a single formula that song. It just, but for somehow it just started reacting with with uh, listeners, and they started calling in, requesting, and really any cool. success we had from that song, we absolutely owe to to fans of music, and that that stuff doesn't happen very lot very much anymore. Yeah, no, you're right. That's amazing. That's really cool. So really, fans were calling into just local stations and stuff, requesting that it be played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They were calling and it was it was reacting and um, and then of course you got your chart watchers out there that watched the charts and it started rising and as it would rise, they'd add it to their station and it just kind of picked up. It was I think we broke a record of the longest the longest a song has been on the charts. Um, they finally took it Congratulations. off. It was still rising. Oh yeah, right. all right. <laughs> they finally awesome. took it off Congrats. because it was on too long, and we had no radio, Aww. no, uh, no, uh, no, um, call it label. So they were like, "There's no way an independent artist can be on these charts for this long." So they pulled it off themselves. That's a shame. But that's well, that's the business we're in. <laughs> right. I well, believe me. I yeah. I I can understand and appreciate how difficult it must be to just any type of thing in entertainment. I mean, I've interviewed comedians. I mean, just, it's, yeah, it's a tough lifestyle. And, and like you said, you're competing with, you know, so many different artists out there. So, right, it is tough. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, so Dragonfly, like, takes off for you, like you said, and it's doing really well. So tell us a little bit about when, um, and I'm, I don't want to botch it up, but I know 
it deals with the word mascot, the label comes in. So how do you start to get the attention of them, or do you contact them? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, actually, we were um, once Dragonfly started started um, you know charting a little higher. Um, we started getting phone calls from different labels uh, to come you know do fly up to New York and do some showcases, and then we did some shows, and then we we flew a bunch of labels, or the, they flew themselves down to down to see us in our hometown. Um, and, w- and that's what that's where Ron Berman come in. He's the president of Mascot Label Group. He was an A and R rep for. I want to say Roadrunner at the time, and okay. um, it was them and uh, Motown and Universal Republic and somebody, or maybe Warner Brothers. They flew down to see us in our hometown, play a show, and uh, you know they uh, they started biting, but there was no, you know the 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 deals just didn't make sense financially. We were already, you know, bringing in our own. The money went straight to us. You know, it wasn't going through a middleman, right. so it wasn't going to make sense at the time to sign, but he was one that like legitimately seemed like he was interested in the music. And he also, um, he, um, was an A&R rep for uh, Blackstone Cherry, which were friends of ours that we'd done some shows right. with. And he, and they were sitting there trying to, you know, talk him into uh, signing us and all that stuff. And well, we had in the interim, we'd come off the, come off the road in 2011 and we just started uh started trying to write for the for the record and nothing really had come together and um and then we just started uh we just went into the studio and and started tracking the dangerous actually because uh, that was the only one song that we had had like halfway together and then okay. we just kind of started pour, pouring out it was just in the it just it was song after song after song just started coming out we'd record it right then and there when we'd write it just kind of maintain the uh you know the uh, the honesty of the songs themselves, the integrity of them, mm-hmm. and uh, we had sent I think four or five tracks off to Berman, and um, who had at that time he had started he'd taken over the mascot label group here in the, the United States, and he had sent it over to uh, the owner of the label in in uh, Holland, and he dug it, and uh, and uh, next thing you know, you know we started working out a deal with them, and we had actually. We were in the process. We were getting ready to sign another deal for another company. Really? And he was like, man, yeah, we were. I mean, the pens were to the paper, damn near. And uh, wow. it was already negotiated. Everything was worked out. And he was like, man, hold the presses. You guys really belong over here. And uh, we're, you know, we're yet we're yet to see. But uh, lo and behold, I really think that's the that's the true. Uh, that's the that that's the truth. I really think that this is a a good home for us. That's good. That's great. And like you said, it really sounds like they care about you guys as artists too. They're not just looking at at you like a dollar sign. And it's hard, you know. You have a lot of unfortunately sharks out there and people who just want to, you know, make that buck. And it sounds like mascots not like that. And they really do genuinely want to take you guys on and and produce that craft. And yeah, that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't, and, and and that's just a it's a dying, it's a part it's a dying part of the of the industry is the development of the artists, and um, that's really, you know, so far they've let us be ourselves, and um, the creativity mm-hmm. part of of aspect of this, you know, they let us be who we are. They're not trying to mold us into anybody different. Right. We're we're mid, we are Midwest boys, and 
we're 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 raised how we're raised, and that's who we are. You know, we're not. They're not. They don't want anything different because they know they won't get anything different from us. <laughs> right. So um, that's cool. They, uh, that's and really they, cool. they respect that, and that's hard to find. It is, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, in any type of job in life, you know, it's it's yeah. There's always this bureaucracy, and yeah, you know, and it's it's a shame. It's a shame you can't sometimes mm-hmm. just take people for what they're worth, and you know, take their strengths like they're doing with you, and just you know, put you guys out there as you are. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't want to, I know this was going on during the recording of the album, and I was very, you know, disheartened when I read about the aggressive lymph, uh, rare lymph cancer that you had in your throat. And, you know, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, that's fine. Um, You know, I don't want you to talk about anything that, you know, doesn't sit well with you, so to speak. No, it's it's all good. I mean, at the time, I was keeping it under wraps, you know, because I wanted to deal Mm -hmm. deal with it how how I needed to deal with it. Um, you know, but I got that lick, so it's you know we can talk about anything you want to. That's great. I mean, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're doing well, and it's uh, I'm assuming from what you said, it's stable right now in terms of you know you're in remission. Yeah. Yep. I'm in remission. That's great. Um, yeah, it was a um, it was weird. It came. It was a <clears throat> didn't really know how to do it because it was um, I had a um, uh, autoimmune disease. And the cancer was a byproduct okay. from the autoimmune disease. It was a rare. Oh, uh, and that's what I was going to ask you. How did you even find out that you had it? Yeah, I was singing in the studio, and and I mean, I was having a hard time getting anything out because I had this huge lump in my uh, in my tonsil. I mean, it was it was almost shutting wow. off my uh, my my uh, path. The breathing, there. right? Yeah, I mean everything. So I went in went into uh I thought it was strep throat so I mean I was on steroids I was on all kinds of this stuff that they're giving me because uh, they thought it was you know an infection well they finally biopsied the uh the tumor and you know come right. back as cancerous and um and and then on top of that it wasn't actually it wasn't being formed you know from a lymphoma which is what we were hoping it was because that would have been a little easier to treat it would came came from a it's called Langerhans histiocytosis, and oh, only one in every million people get it, and then only ten percent of those people get cancer from it. So nobody, there's not enough people in an area to do a clinical trials and figure out how to treat it. Oh, so I ran right. the gamut of all. We uh we did every every treatment you ever heard of for cancer to to try oh. and kill it, and um, we uh, removed a bunch of it from you know surgically what we could, and then stuff that was just too embedded. Um, you know, we did, um, I took pills and radiation and chemo right. and it was, uh, it was a good time. Let me tell you, but at the meantime, I was, oh, oh, no. we were just trying to make a record, you know, that's what, right. that's what to really, and I've said it before, but it really is a truth. It's, it's, if you can have something to focus on, you know, like the, instead mm-hmm. of sitting there focusing on the fact that you're sick, if you can really mm-hmm. focus on something that's, you know, and my what for me it was it was something that was beyond me. It was more important than just me as an individual. Uh, I think, I mean, that's the key really to getting better. You know, the the treatment that was just a, it was kind of a, just a pain in the ass thing I had to do to get get over. You know, get over it. And then, sure. But but really, what I was focusing on was the record. Right, and I think what you're saying too. I mean, if, if you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is that just the music in itself, working with the people you work with, it was therapeutic for you. And like you said, having that 
thing to focus on, you know, helps you get through this really tough time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without yeah. it, I, I don't know that I would be here. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have great oh. odds, you know, and right. um, I, I think if I was just sitting there, you know, down in the dumps worrying about, you know, I don't, I'm, I really mm-hmm. don't know if I'd be here right now. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear you're okay. And it was, again, like I said, that was a surprise when I read that about you because it wasn't something, like you said, that was really out there, you know, so to speak. So I'm yeah. glad to hear you're doing well, and I wish you much continued health and success and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah. So Good Lord willing, play. the creek don't rise. I'll be all right. <laughs> You'll be good. <laughs> Um, one of my favorite songs I wanted to, I usually try to pick one again. You had some great stuff on there. I mean, I loved Silent Voice in the end. I mean, all that stuff was just great. But I really, um, when I was listening to the album, you know, a couple of times through the first couple of times, 10 Million Voices really stuck out to me. And I really, for whatever reason, that song really kind of struck a chord with me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that one? Um, that song was just, I mean, it's kind of a an anthem for all of us, you know, when you're fed up and, mm-hmm. and, um, if you just stop for a second, and look around, there's, there's an awful lot of people that are fed up. And, and, you know, I think that, um, if, if done smartly, um, in the right way, people can really affect change, whether they believe it or not, they really can if they get together. And that's really kind of what Tim Lee Voice is about. Oh, very good. So kind of that teamwork, like you're saying, and people trying to really make a positive impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. All right. All right, so like I said, this is definitely one of my favorite songs, so um, let's check it out, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about upcoming shows, tour. Uh, Think about, I always like to ask questions about some of the things you like to do on the side, any interesting hobbies you have, you know, that type of stuff. All right? All right. All right, sounds good. Okay. Hold on. All right, everyone, again, you are listening to Nathan on The Carrie Edelman Show, and we are going to play 10 Million Voices now from Shaman's Harvest, new album that is out now, which is titled Smoking Hearts and Broken Guns. So be sure to pick up a copy of it, and let's check it out. 10 Million Voices, and we'll be back in a moment.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, 10 Million Voices by Shaman's Harvest. So be sure to, again, check these guys out. Go to shamansharvest.com and pick up a copy of their new album, which is out now. All right, let's bring Nathan back on. All right, great track. I love it. And right you know on, what? It's, fun, yeah. it's, it's kind of funny. As I was thinking about the song and what you said it meant while we were on hold, I was like, it's kind of symbolic in a way that I picked a song that says I'm set up. <laughs> So that was kind of interesting because I think we all go through that in life, whether it's, you know, work-related stuff, you know, family. And it was just kind of funny that my favorite song on your – one of my favorite songs on the album was that. So kind of well, interesting. Well, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's weird because it, you somehow you, you gravitated to that because it's, it has something to do with your uh, your profession, I think. Yeah. yeah well, I think again, they all I do. like, you know – Definitely, definitely. But I seem to gravitate again towards, I don't want to say more of the darker, edgier songs, but I do. I mean, things that are very emotional and, yeah, it's just it's just me. It's my personality. So, yeah. There but, um, cool. So tell us real quick, a couple of quick uh, questions regarding how did you guys come up with the name of the band Shaman's Harvest? Uh, my mom did. Your mom did? Mama. Okay. Yeah, Mama. <laughs> we were looking for a name, and like uh, at one time it was Purge, and that was just a terrible, terrible name. Uh, That's not that bad. There's, there's worse that. names That's out pretty there. bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, um, and it didn't really reflect what we were writing. You know, we were writing about serious right. shit. So uh, we, uh, I was looking for something, you know, that that uh, kind of reflected that. And Mom was like, "Shaman's Harvest, man." And, uh, you know, you don't argue with your mama. So it was, no, but where did she pull that from? Like, how did she put those two words together? Mm-hmm. You know, a shaman well, you know, is kind of like a medicine yeah, man. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of a spiritual healer, a shaman is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for what for, for different cultures, and different indigenous cultures. And, um, you know, and, and what it really was harvesting, I mean, that's, that's um, for us, it was the music. And it, it's uh, every time we perform, every time we play, every time we write, Every time we're sitting in a garage trying to hash out a song, you know, it's it, that's what it is. It's a spiritual healing for us. And, cool. um, you know, it made sense to us. If nobody else, it made sense to us. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it's catchy, and, and it has a, again, it has a really cool kind of symbolism about what it means for you guys as a band. And like you said, creating and, and putting this stuff out there. So it's great, really cool. Um How'd you come up with the name Smoking Hearts and Broken Guns? And it's funny because every time I want to say that, I I want to go to say Broken Hearts and Smoking Guns because it's kind of a weird play well, on words. So that's what it ahead. was at first. It was Broken Hearts ah. and Smoking Guns. That's really what it was. Okay. Um, and and I had screwed up, and uh, we were doing uh, we're doing a song Blood in the Water, which is on the record, and that line. Um, yes. With the Smoking Heart and a Broken Gun. Um, originally it was, you know, w- with a broken heart and a smoking gun and I'd screwed up and we were like, wait a minute, that, uh, that might work, you know? So I don't know. It just gives me a, a vision of, uh, you know, heartache and, uh, you know, heartache to, to the point of, um, you know, that <clears throat> your heart's on fire, you know, and, um, and, uh, and the kind of the broken guns, man, it just feels like you just shot your last shot, you know what I mean? And there's nothing, right. nothing left to shoot. So it's uh, it's just cool. um, it fits. I thought. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. And I do remember that the line, like you said, that that uh, those lyrics in that one song. Definitely. 
Um, cool. Thank you for sharing that. So tell us a little bit about where have you guys been doing some uh, tours and shows? Did I read you were with, were you with Theory of a Dead Man for a little bit, doing some shows with them? Yeah, yeah we cool. did some shows with them. Um, great, great dudes. Um, for nice. Canadians, they're really, really good dudes. Um, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I don't know any. I don't know any mean Canadians. Actually, so they uh, okay. they're, they're, uh, they live up to their their legacy. Um, and um, yeah, in the three pole morning, they're on with us. Those are another bunch of great guys. From yeah, north. I had them on my show actually a while back. They were great. Oh yeah, really solid dudes. Yeah, um, really good. They also like the bourbon. I don't know if they like the bourbon okay. or not, but they sure as hell drank a lot of it with me. <laughs> and uh, nice. and uh, now we got um, we got some stuff coming up too. Um, we're gonna probably head out west, and we've got a few sh- few shows here in the Midwest um, here in October. But then we're gonna head out west. It looks like, um, and hit like uh, Spokane, Washington, and uh, Tall, and Colorado, and and all that stuff, and. Uh, and then we're going to Great. jump on with Fozzie and uh, Texas okay. Hippie Coalition. And we'll be out with them wow. for what looks like up until the middle of December. Which that'll Guys be just busy. A, that'll be a fun run. Yeah, that's, really, a, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a great lineup. Yeah, it's a bunch of, uh, I mean, it's, it, none of us are, none of us are, you know, even close to being identical musically, but it's, it's all rock and roll, you know, it's all headed down the same road. We just, um, it, it'll be nice to, you know, as a, as a concert goer to see, you know, I think, I don't think you'll get tired of anything. You'll, you're going to hear different aspects of rock and roll all night long. Yeah, no, it's a lot of nice diversity, but like you said, you're still in the, the rock and roll genre. So that's, that's a good, that's a great lineup for you guys. Yeah. Cool. yeah so when you guys do have a free moment, which I, probably can hear from talking with you you really don't is there any interesting hobbies and please introduce you know the other members of the band too i know we talked about you and and josh so please introduce them and then you know just talk about any something interesting about each of you guys whether it's you like movies or you like to play hacky sack when you're in the parking lot i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah well them two dudes are not interesting at all i'm really really interesting uh no i'm not i'm just kidding uh (laughs) no they're they're great guys matt fisher he's the bass player um, although we refer to him as just bass player, he, uh, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a coach to his, to his kids, uh, football and baseball teams. Um, okay. he's a kind of a family guy. He's, he's got a, he's got an awesome build or a awesome, um, case company that he builds cases for, you know, guitars and amps and all that stuff. Um, smoking oh, aces. Wow. They're, um, and they're, they're really badass. Um, Great. So he kind of spends his time doing that. He's he's one of those guys that just is always working hard, no matter what he's what he's doing. He works really hard. We couldn't be a band without him. And then Josh Handler, man, he's uh, also he coaches his kids' soccer teams, and um, he's a professional drunk like me. Uh, <laughs> he's got he's got a killer band called Sticky Icky. Uh, they just go around playing uh, playing bars and. Uh, and uh, really, it's just all about the fun for him. I think it's—I don't even know if he gets paid. He just does it for a good time. Something that's okay. not quite as serious, you know. And then I—I um, I just like—I uh, like a little bit of everything, man. I like carpentry. I like uh, building things with my hands as well. Uh, I was, uh, as I said earlier, I was an executive chef for a while, so I—I'm really into yeah. uh, 
I'm into uh cooking. the cooking and, and um you know, just the culinary arts and every once in a while on the road we'll uh well if we have a couple of days off we'll stop and hit up the grocery store or whatever farmers markets in the area and uh do it upright at a park or something like that, you know, where we can grill and, yeah. and be outside away from the away from the pavement and away from concert venues. Very cool. And what about the other? Your lead guitarist and also the drummer. Man, that good, that guy, he's definitely a bourbon connoisseur. Derek, our lead guitar player. Derek? He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he enjoys every type of bourbon from cheap, warm, well bourbon to the high dollar stuff. And um, he, um, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a good, solid dude, man. He's, he, uh, His old lady's more interested in him. She's a helicopter pilot, an anthropologist. She's like a a freaking uh, wow. Tomb Raider. <laughs> but uh they Very make cool. a good couple. Then Joe, he's uh he's a he's a bit of a nerd. He's into gaming and uh mm-hmm. I don't know, Star Trek and shit, I don't know. <laughs> okay. But well, uh well, it yeah, like we're you, all, all, you guys all have something interesting. Yeah, well, I don't know if we're interesting, but we definitely are all... I find everyone fascinating. I say that all the time to people. They're like, what? I'm like, I just find people fascinating. I can have conversations with anyone. <laughs> it could be a serial killer. It could be you. It could be anyone. Um, now, that would so. be that would be fascinating if one of us was a serial killer. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah, those are, I mean, the more disturbing, the the more, to me, I just, I don't know what it is. I grew up loving horror movies. That was just me. Yeah. Just fascinating by oh, behavior yeah. and... Yeah, what's your what's your favorite horror movie? Um, I really dig Rob Zombie's uh, yeah. movies. Uh, Devil's Rejects, mm-hmm. I think, is is phenomenal. House of a Thousand Corpses yeah. is great. Um, I thought the remake of Carrie was killer, man. I just saw that not too long ago. Um, okay, I didn't see that one. I'm, I'm. It's 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 pretty. It's pretty well done. And uh, I'm really into some really actually Carrie the new Carrie it has some really intense scenes man just the the cinematographic cinematographic whatever cinematographic scenes of right, fire right, right. behind her and all that stuff. Um, and I'm right. I'm really interested to see Rob Zombie's new uh, new movies working on 31. Is that the, that's the one with the clown face right? Yeah, it's the clown face. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is extremely. I wonder is is. It does. Is that supposed to be based on, do you know, John Wayne Gacy, the the child predator, you know, serial killer? Uh, yeah, right. No, I think that it, uh, last thing I read was I think it had something to do with John Wayne, but it's not, you know. Based on him. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, based on him. Interesting. So, wow. Well, no, thank you for sharing that, too. Very cool. So, yeah, Nathan, thanks so much for coming on. I mean, you're a great interview, and, uh, yeah, you guys have some great stuff out there, too, and I just – I want to wish you much success, and you're always welcome back on the show when you have new music coming out, so please keep in touch. Fantastic. Thanks for – I will. We definitely will. Thanks for thanks for talking to me. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you could please promote the podcast for anyone who hasn't tuned into the live show. I think it's a – again, it's a really cool interview. And from what I've read from some of your other interviews, I think you shared some some interesting stuff that I didn't find anywhere else. So, you know, I think oh, people no, really yeah. no, this was definitely enjoy it. a unique interview. Yeah, right on. I will. I'll definitely uh, throw it out there. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Nathan. I wish you and all your uh, guys in the band much success. And like I said, you're always welcome back on the show. Fantastic. Be well, Carrie. Okay. You too. Have a great night. Bye. 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 
All right, everyone. Again, Nathan Hunt from Shaman's Harvest. If for some reason you tuned into the show late, you can check out the podcast. That will be available to download or stream once the show is over. Uh, please follow me uh, at Carrie Edelman on Twitter. If you follow me, I will follow you. And love to keep in touch with the fans, so be sure to uh, become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. That's where I have all the upcoming shows, events, etc. And also, if you want to befriend me on uh, Facebook, too, I have two pages. One of the pages might be maxed out, but find the one that isn't because, again, it's great to keep in touch with everyone. Continue. I continue to appreciate all the support uh, that you give the show, especially for all these amazing artists that I have the opportunity to interview. And as I said, I really do a lot of research and take people on a really interesting journey, um, unlike other interviews out there. So, you know, check out the podcast. I have about 250 interviews, comedians, filmmakers. Sorry, it's been a long day. Uh, bands, musicians. So, you know, find something that interests you and uh, download it for free and check it out. So thanks so much again for tuning in. We've got a lot of interviews in the works that I'm in the process of booking with different PR people. So, again, thanks to Steve Karras tonight from SKH Music for booking this interview uh, to have Shaman's Harvest on my show. And we will be back. So, again, become a fan on the, of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook, and that's where I will keep you posted with upcoming shows, events, and more. Thanks so much, and have a great night. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.